Hello, and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Duboff, Vanity Fair's senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair's senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week, from the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. On this week's episode, we have a very special treat for all of you. Allison Williams is here. She is the star of the hit film, Jordan Peele's Get Out. And also, of course, Marnie and HBO's Girls, which has just three episodes left in its final season. She also happens to be my college classmate as we went to school together. We are here with Allison Williams. Hi. Star of Get Out, the smash hit film that I feel like everywhere I go, every party, people want to be talking about Get Out right now. Well, I, I feel like I owe you guys an apology in advance because I... Behind on everything, and I have not started Big Little Lies, and I'm so sorry <laughs> that this episode is going to stray so far. Oh my gosh! Well, you've like predicted that our first question was literally, "Have you been keeping up? What did you think of last night's episode?" I have no thoughts about last night's episode, although I have to fast forward through all of those parts of your podcast because I don't want it spoiled for me. You're not the first to complain about that. I'm not so. complaining about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm embarrassed. It's my fault. Yeah. For I mean, you can't put all of those people on the small screen together and <laughs> then have me just not want, like that's ludicrous. It's criminal. It's criminal. It, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, yes, because I've been doing press for girls and then Get Out. It was kind of this double whammy that came out kind of a, a month apart. So I went right from talking about you know, the conclusion of Girls, which is so sad, to talking about Get Out, which is so different. Yeah. Well, I just saw the movie last night, and I don't want to give any spoilers away, but it was terrifying seeing you in that context. I mean, it's so funny, like, what is the statute of limitations on spoilers? Just this morning, I was reading a thing in the, like, an op-ed piece from the New York Times, where just it launches right in, and the first paragraph talks about Fruit Loops, and I was like, are we beyond it now? I know. I kind of feel like we are right. I mean, it's like been out for what? Four or five Yeah, longer. five weeks. Five weeks, yeah. yeah. So The audience last night was so engaged. I can't remember the last movie I've been to where everybody was talking to the screen and they were Was there they cheering? Were really yeah, I was about to, there I was, was cheering, yeah. yes. Oh, that's so good. I mean, that makes me did really you, happy. So you did. I know you saw it in person a few times. You see it. Like, I've seen it a million times, and I'm not sick of it. Still, <laughs> I saw Jordan said somewhere like I'm the biggest Get Out nerd of them all, and I feel like I can hold down the number two spot there. We have been, and specifically Jordan and I have been having conversations about Get Out now for like almost two years. Wow! And it's so fun to be able to talk to other people about it, and also to watch it because it just turned out he's so brilliant. It just like all of our wildest dreams happened in making this movie, and so I'll never get sick of talking about it. I don't think I'll ever get sick of seeing it. I still notice new things. When you're in the audience, do people? realize like do you like you go undercover are you no i don't have to because one of the weird unintended consequences of being a short blonde now (laughs) is that they're looking at a person with long brown hair and bangs and so like they're just staring at that face for so long in the movie that like it would take a really keen eye or a follower of mine on instagram (laughs) to be like i know she's in union square exactly i know well i would never do that ahead of time but like i don't know i kind of try to stay discreet i try to sit near the back i'll sit on the stairs i don't want to take anyone's tickets away that's the other thing because i want as many people to see it as possible because i think it's just important to see and i think it's important to talk about i heard from a friend of mine that that Chappelle talked about it in Austin last night, which is funny because yesterday I watched his specials and he kind of said he like made a dig at, at Kim Peel 
But I also knew that he's a big Keenan Peele fan and that he had already seen Get Out and liked it. And so I'm glad he put that on the on the public record. Oh, that's that, great. Yeah, he did a whole bit about it, which is oh, that's a real, exciting. that's like an insane honor. Yeah, for Dave Chappelle. I mean, come on. Yeah. I'm glad he's back. When did you meet Jordan Peele? I met him in person for the first time in Alabama when we had arrived to start shooting. And obviously this was my first movie. So I like, I kind of went all out in terms of wanting it to be the best possible experience. So I rented a house. I moved uh, my assistant and my dog, Moxie, down to Alabama with me. And I got there like a week and a half early so I could get fully moved in and settled. And I we just really like became part of this community. And I loved this town so much. It's called Fairhope in Alabama. Wow. And then everyone started arriving and Jordan had been there too because they switched our location at the very last minute, I think maybe like three weeks before we started shooting from LA to Alabama. And so he was there scouting and we finally went on a dinner date and like met each other in person. We had FaceTimed so much, talked on the phone so much, emailed so much. And it was really fun to actually see him in person. It's like an online dating scenario. Like- a little bit. And I was like, I hope he doesn't regret this i hope he doesn't sit down with me and immediately go oh no what have i done but it went really well and then as the rest of the cast arrived it just continued to be this kind of magical dynamic that we had together could you sense the energy was just right you know can you tell at this point with projects that like it's coming together in a way that's gonna be i don't know yet i I feel like i have to do a few more before i can sense that although it reminded me of girls in that it was i was lucky enough to be making something that I would enjoy watching and that as a consumer, I wanted to exist. Also, the script was so strong. Jordan is so brilliant and also just such an authority on the project itself. It wasn't like, you know, he was directing someone else's work or he didn't fully own what he was making, which I'm sure happens. It has to. Um, It was like, he would never get sick of talking about it. He loved talking about it. Um, And that was like, that was the most exciting thing of all was being able to go into the weeds with him and like really deconstruct it. And we had a feeling that it was going to be good, but uh, so much of it is the music and the editing and all that stuff. So, I mean, there's a lot you just can't predict. And then also that people have embraced it so much. I mean, that's the last phase. I remember the day before it came out, I was like, the movie's about to belong to other people now. It used to be ours and now it's everyone else's. What's the most common thing your friends or family, what do people like want to ask you about when they like after they've seen it? The most common thing I see in emails about Get Out is OMG. <laughs> and then people say, like, that's how all the emails start. It's just like, OMG. Like it's a full OMG. Yeah, beginning. it's a yeah. full all caps <laughs> OMG. And then they skip like two lines and then they keep writing. And then the biggest adjective I hear to describe the experience of going to see it is fun, which is so counter to what you'd think based on the trailer, which is why I was like, maybe this trailer should be a little bit more. But then I realized the strategy is just to get the horror fans engaged and then word of mouth would drive everyone else to go see it, which I think is exactly how it worked. I am such a huge Katherine Keener fan, and she is, like, terrifying. I never thought I'd see her in a horror movie, but I am desperate to know, like, what did you, Katherine Keener, Bradley Whitford, and, like, Moxie do on, like, a Saturday night Oh, my God. I have, yeah, that's such a good I have so many stories about that exact topic. I mean, first of all, the casting in the movie is another part, is, like, one of Jordan's first gestures of brilliance because he basically did metacasting. He was deploying people's preconceived notions about all of us 
as individuals, as our characters, like Josh Lyman, you know, and Keener has played every sympathetic person in every movie beautifully. And so he was using that against the audience to kind of make us second guess everything. And by casting me, you're also kind of casting Marnie, which is additionally perfect in this context. Weekends were like, the best. I kind of forced everyone to treat my house as like the hangout. <laughs> everyone was staying in a hotel together, but I was like, Allison's I felt place, like it was yeah. like meta from Get Out. I was like, no, come <laughs> over. Everyone should just come to my house. And it was like, never took like a little beautiful- skeptical. Yeah, exactly. In, yeah. It was like this beautiful area where there were horses and big fields. We watched the Oscars together as a cast. We watched debates together because the debates were in full force then. So much happened while we were down there. Like Scalia died. And so that all happened. But the nice thing was like we were all such news addicts that it was nice to be able to talk about that stuff while we were shooting. It was like a really special experience and we're all close forever. I loved your line reading when you, oh, this is a spoiler kind of, but when, can we say this? Oh, I don't know. Okay, spoiler alert. When she has the keys and she's like... You know I can't give you the keys, right, babe? The babe. Oh, the babe is what gets me. The like, babe is not great because it's really it's really mean. It's uh, really awful. But it's like, but it's like what turns right, the babe? knife? I know, the babe. It's all about that babe. I want to hear everything about that line. Well, first of all, that line went in and out a lot. We couldn't decide if we wanted it. Yeah. I fought really hard for it. And in the end, Jordan also agreed that it belonged in there, which I'm so glad we did it because uh. I think it's so important. And at the riverbed or the lakeside or wherever they're sitting in the scene, like two scenes prior, her last line from that conversation is like, I love you too, babe. And so you hear two babes. And then I think she may even say it upstairs in the bedroom. And so it's like, it's just a continuation of everything she's ever said to him, but through a completely different lens now that we see her more clearly. And in fact, it sounds like all the other lines she's said, it's just devoid of emotion but like the absolute value of it is the same also marnie and ray call each other babe or baby all the time so i just it's been a year of that a word babe i know i, I feel know. like we try like a medium essay about like ba- like babe someone, and will. The- someone will <laughs> the owl could also allison williams is babe and like what it means exactly was it one of those things we did like a million ta- like is it i think that's how i read it the that's like how you very you first time to- i read the script yeah oh, kind of like that smile while yeah. she's being strangled it's the way that i always imagined doing it and it was one of those things i was really looking forward to delivering that way yeah but there was a lot of conversation about literally everything. This was something I'm a question asker. I'm a, I like to dig deep into things. I like to put my English major skills to any use whatsoever, whenever I can. This movie was so satisfying on that level because we just dug into it and Jordan loved doing that. And Daniel liked doing that. It was part of what made it so much fun. Was your husband kind of freaked out after seeing get out for the first time? Because you're so terrifying. (laughs) He was so proud and excited, but it's the same thing as like the, the sex scenes that people ask about all the time when girls, like if you're close to me in all likelihood, you've already heard about it. Or in Ricky's case, he had read the script for get out. I I showed it to him so he could hear it. And he came down just for some of the shooting and he was just very involved. And so it was like, by the time he saw it, he was mostly just proud as someone who's worked in content his entire career. Like he was so proud. He was just like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And he doesn't lie. He doesn't like understand how to lie. So I would have known (laughs) if he hated it. But also he's seen it now like four or five times as have my family members, as his mom, I think, has seen it three times in theaters in South Carolina, which is like a very different movie going yeah. experience, I imagine, near Bluffton. 
that kind of support means so much to me because that's above and beyond. It's like the fact that my friends still watch girls. Like if they were doing it just to be my friend, they would have given up like season three or something. But they genuinely like the show. And that's the case with Get Out. Like a lot of people in my life have gone back to see it again when they didn't have to, you know, just because they wanted to understand more of it. It was very sweet. Um, Ricky's mom has sent me like two emails after two screenings about things that she picked up on that she hadn't seen the first time. She's really, really into it. And um, I just love the idea that this retirement community is like just (laughs) everyone's ablaze talking about Get Out. And in a way, that's exactly who I want watching it because that's, you know, a really interesting audience to consume this stuff. There was an elderly couple sitting next to me when I saw it Mm -hmm. and they were like, I almost felt like they didn't know what movie they were seeing for the first half. And mm-hmm. then they got so invested. Yeah. And I just heard them like asking each other questions, like screaming, like, <laughs> like when everyone was dying, they like, were cheering. It was like the afternoon of their year. It happens to everyone. And I think that's Jordan's genius is that he made it as such an interactive movie. Part of it is that Chris is not driving you crazy the entire yeah. time. Like the protagonist is making, for the most part, a lot of the decisions you would make. Because in those situations, you too would try to pretend that everything's pretty okay because you're meeting your girlfriend's family. And so you're trying to maintain the sense of decorum, which works up against all the stuff that he's seeing. And so because the audience is so with the protagonist, that just helps the momentum along of the movie. And also he gave lines to various characters that are exactly what the audience feels like exclaiming at any given moment. Like, that bitch is crazy. Is like, <laughs> you know, a line that Chris says after Georgina walks out of the room, which is exactly what I've heard people in the audience say Same. after she leaves the room. Yeah. And so by doing that, Jordan is basically saying, like, I see you. This audience for once isn't in a sunken place. It's like he's hearing their comments in real time and putting them into the movie. It just, it, it creates this like feedback loop of where your investment isn't just going nowhere and bouncing off the screen. And it's as if the people in the screen can hear what you're saying and they're echoing it back to you. And so I think it, plus the comedy, Lil Rel Howery is like just one of the funniest people in the world. And those scenes are such important moments of release. And it's just Jordan did such an incredible job. And the fact that it's his first time directing a movie is so insane and on paper it was just as profound and it was one of those things where i had to read it several times before i even uncovered everything about it what other like kind of pop culture tv shows or celebrities are you super obsessed with i know i feel like i'm gonna fail you guys because (laughs) i'm so behind on everything like i truly don't know anything that's happening in the pop i'm very behind on my daily mail i'm shocked and embarrassed i thought i was obsessed with the royal family and then i started listening to you guys (laughs) who are all these people honestly (laughs) i am i need to relinquish that title wait but you played i played kate Kate middleton Middleton. so you do have a royal family connection that might be it's it's fabricated it's connect no offense it's as connected as you guys are it's it's on wow I'm yeah so no we need, we need that we need that. you need a reality check you know i didn't want you guys to show up and be like how could you go dancing without your bride will and like take it out on him or something guys he went dancing let's chill out i don't want to diminish your goss but no no i got an email from my mom that was really upset after our podcast this week i haven't even told you this yet julie she was no. like kate was probably fine with it she knew he was going dancing like it's yeah, not that big obviously. of a deal i know Kate is so clearly yeah. the chillest person any of us know she yeah. stepped into this role that's insanely stressful and she just disappears to, yeah. into her own world that we're not invited to <laughs> all the time and i'm sure she was like I mean, for all we know, she was at a different, more low-profile well, dance place. Where just no one happened to be. Exactly. No, no you're right. It is I mean, true. I, know, I feel like I know for a fact that she doesn't care 
at all. <laughs> We're going to use that as the definitive truth. I think that should be like written in the history books. Now. <laughs> no, I have no authority. And as I yeah. just told you, I'm behind on everything. I haven't seen the video of him dancing. I haven't seen the hip grab that you guys described so clearly. <laughs> but I just, you know, I didn't even know about I You guys are what keeps me going right now or has kept me going in terms of pop culture. In terms of TV shows, I'm a huge Bachelor fan, but I feel like I talk about that a lot. Like, massive, massive, massive Bachelor fan. I take it very seriously. And then, I mean, I'm watching, you know, Homeland, Billions. Um, I'm watching Crashing, which I love. Girls, I'm soon to be watching Big Little Lies. I just watched Chappelle's stand-up, as I mentioned. I watched Ali Wong's, which I loved. Oh, I'm a huge podcast consumer. Huge, huge, huge. Like, it's huge <laughs> i'm a huge <laughs> podcast consumer what are some of your faves i have to look through my phone because oh, yeah. there's too many i mean a lot of them are political yeah obviously because it's just there's so much going on i love you made it weird i love if i were you which is jake and amir i love wtf obviously Ooh, paul schaefer that's exciting i love comedy bang bang this american life ted radio hour True Crime Garage. I'm a big True Crime fan. Um, Code Switch, uh, The Ezra Klein Show, Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood, So Many White Guys, Hidden Brain, Fan Bros, How Did This Get Made, New Yorker Radio Hour. By the way, you guys were <laughs> advertising for the New Yorker. It was so funny. I was like, <laughs> this is so weird. We like had so much existential conflict. We were so I was confused. like, what is, ha- is this possible? I, I also know. am we're so like, are we being, Is this like our weird way of being told we're like being traded to a different team? <laughs> That's like, what I, I was like, like wait, yeah. did I miss something? Like, and I checked your email. Like, I was like, what <laughs> did is... Did Josh switch jobs like, <laughs> in the past still, three weeks? Is it yeah. now? Is, is, do they work for the New Yorker? Like, we all just so shift weird. around Anna Wintour. It's like, hey, come come hang out for the day. I know, it's amazing. I love a con day and I'm here to advertise for Game of Thrones, um, <laughs> which badly needs advertising dollars behind it. I don't know. It seems really, really funny to me. Like couched in the context of what you've just been talking about, you should have been advertising Hello Magazine instead of The New Yorker. Yeah, it's like Meghan Markle, what's she doing? And like, by the way, like check out like the latest. Please by... tell me you subscribe to Hello. Oh, yes, actually. Well, I don't know. It might have lapsed, but I used to get it here at work. I mean, I've gotten it's it my whole life. My dad's always been a subscriber, to too. Yeah, oh, it's the best. It. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. In his words, you can see the way the feet look of every famous person. <laughs> Everyone is barefoot on the cover for some reason, because I guess it's like the way to look grounded. It's just so funny. It's like a family in their home, fully decked out in hair and makeup, and then just barefoot. <laughs> it's really funny. The UK does it so well. I feel like with the Daily Mail and Hello, they like, give you what you want, you know? Giant like, photos. Yes, just huge photos. That's like, the brilliance of the Daily Mail. They figured out eight hundred. We just photos. want giant <laughs> and and a ton, like blurry. We don't care. It could be the back of someone's head. Like honestly, we're not picky. Just a ton of giant photos. And now that I'm on the other side of that, I'm not sure how I feel about yeah, right. it. Every once in a while, I'm kind of like, okay, that could be smaller. I mean, I think you still get the idea. There could be few of these photos, but I I also appreciate it. I mean, I hate giving them press because it's also like you know but they've gotten better about people's kids which yes. i really care yeah. about the rest of us we sign up for this show when you take this job it's just part of the deal but for people's children i mean i shudder to imagine what i would do in that situation as a parent i'd flip out so with all the podcasts i know get out's been really popular on the different podcast episodes since it came out have you been like following that i listened to all of them i was so nervous about it i'm a big fan of the read which yeah. is another podcast with kid fury and crystal and friends like us there are a couple other podcasts that i'd heard people express a delight in horror mm. so i knew they were horror fans so i knew it was just a matter of time before get it out got came get up out, yeah. and i was so nervous about all of them but for the most part um 
I really was cool with everything that everyone said. And not that they're doing it for my approval, but I was really excited that people were digging into it, that it was coming up. And now since the movie came out, I'm hearing people use things like the sunken place, just like in their lexicon or like making analogies to things, you know, a teacup or whatever it is. That's to me the bigger impact because I feel like that's the making of a movie that stands the test of time in a bigger way. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I know you have the blonde hair now, but have people been coming up to you about Get Out? Have fans started recognizing you for that, aside from girls on the street? Not really, which is probably nice. I have now gone through airport security like 10 times since the movie came out, and I'm very grateful every time I encounter someone from the TSA that I'm... Uh, blonde now um (laughs) but then my fear is that people must think that rose is just moving on to a new look or something like that and she's walking among us i think if i had rose's hair it would happen more going blonde is like a commitment that is oh my god lifestyle change don't even get me started on this topic it's so boring and also it's like the smoothies of self-care it's like i don't (laughs) want to talk about it and yet i have so much to say about it basically if you are thinking about it if you're on the fence like really think long and hard be like do i enjoy being able to just get out of the shower Do I enjoy being able to just sleep without any stress on my head? Do I enjoy being able to run a brush through my hair? Do I enjoy having hair that's all relatively the same health quality at the ends? The answer is yes to any of those. (laughs) Do not fucking do this. It is. I'm in a tiny prison of my own hair follicles and I'm embarrassed because it was done willingly and with the full knowledge of all that it was going to entail. Oh, Josh has considered going blonde in the past, so you would not recommend it. That would be the most shocking. It would terrify everyone. It would. Like, how blonde? Like, Assange blonde? I feel like I was in this period where I first moved to New York where I just, you know, I wanted some... I was like, I don't know where it came from, and I wrote this, like, personal... I wrote a post on my personal blog that I had at the time about, like, my my fantasy life. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And this was, like, the, like, prototypical Josh Duboff, like, early first moving out of college. And it was just like all about what my life would be like if I was blonde. So I imagined it would just be like a totally different, more exciting. You wanted exciting. to just be Jessa. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I wanted to like run through the streets and like, you Well, know. I will say that do you, you feel, yeah, do you feel different? That's my question. You definitely get more attention. It's so stupid. Like just from pe- like people just like, like from, turning heads. Yeah, like, like I think boys, there's some kind of predisposition evolutionarily where they just I don't know I don't know what it is it just catches their eye and I know that Kroll and Mulaney have this bit that they did in Oh Hello and they've been doing for years where they say like you know what I like blondes (laughs) like they just like as an entire category (laughs) and I think about it all the time because it's just like it kind of is true that I don't even know It's not that I'm saying I'm like suddenly hot. I look exactly the same as I did before. I just have a different color hair. And I knew how often people looked at me before. And it has like quadrupled since I became blonde. And that's the only definition. And it's even shorter. And I don't look like Brooklyn Decker. I still look like myself. (laughs) And I have just different hair on top. And it's that's the only variable that's changed. So in a way, it's a pristine 
environment do for an you, experiment. Do you feel different? Like, does it change in no, any way how you act or anything you at do? all? And as I, I was doing quarter, sorry, all of my like memories and like talking points have to do with doing press for other things. But literally, that's been the extent of my life for, since January. <laughs> I was doing quarter, and I, I finally realized because I get asked, do blondes have more fun oh, in like yeah. every interview? And I finally realized that what people are asking is actually this like they're hoping that the answer is that I am more fun than I used to be. <laughs> like, especially people in my friends and family are like, so are you now like a type B? Are you like just kind of more chill and like laid back and relaxed? And the answer is no. You monsters turned me into type A plus, which by the way is my blood type, obviously. Um, it's just like, it's just taken everything about me that probably stressed the people out in my life and just amplified it because now I sleep in a fucking bonnet of silk on a pillowcase of silk with an eye mask of silk. It is, I am a shadow of my former self, which was already a ball of anxiety. And now I just don't even know what to call this current thing. I love the visual of you in a bonnet. A it's not, bonnet I'm not, I'm not describing it well. You have to picture like a, it's like a hair wrap thing that a lot of women use on their hair when they sleep. So it's like a, it's nearly impossible for me to describe. I'm not even going to try it. At some point I'll work up the courage to post a photo of it. Yeah. But um, you have to imagine like bonnet, eye mask, retainers. Like my husband is really in this for the long game and he's probably <laughs> anticipating some future time when I sleep like a goddess. Oh, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's can very we, sexy. Can we, can we talk about girls? Of um, course. I just watched last night's episode and I just want to talk for a moment mm -hmm. about Marnie's pawn shop look. Yes. Pawn shop chic. That the pineapples. Yeah. With the, the like bedazzled Sequins. pineapples. Uh, yes. Where did that come from? Who knows? You know, <laughs> in my head, Marnie's like packing and so she's discovering all these weird articles of clothing that she doesn't know about or like doesn't reach for all the time and so she's just kind of grabbing at things wherever she can find them i think also she was trying to convey to the pawn shop owner like look i'm not your typical pawn shop person <laughs> like i think that was i think that was part of her agenda because that's always marnie's agenda is to not be what people assume she's like i know what you're thinking this is not and he just completely cuts that off at the knees and he's like no one comes in here because they're doing great <laughs> And she's just like, well, and then, you know, everything just goes south from there. Such an incredible scene. Oh, thank you. He's so good in that scene. And also, like, Marnie has, from the beginning, all, always gotten life advice and constructive criticism from the weirdest sources. And before Ray was Ray to her, she went to Ray, with whom she'd have kind of limited interaction, to be like, what is wrong with me? What are people complaining about? And he just told her. And that's kind of happened. She won't listen to her mom about it because her mom is the world's most unreliable narrator. She won't listen to any of the other girls about it because see above comment about unreliable <laughs> narrators. So she's just looking to these tertiary people to actually like reveal things about her and herself. And this pawn shop guy in one moment, in one conversation, basically told Marnie literally everything she needed to hear and then become a better person in one conversation. It was pretty heartbreaking. I felt bad for her as someone who's had 
things passed on to me from my mom, it would just break my heart. I know, but it was and the double the whammy of the, the father, the mother and the father. Like it was like, it was, it was a lot. awful. And she's like, I wonder if they were even in the Wild West. Maybe they weren't. Maybe all of this like Wild Bill Hickox, it's all just like a big old lie. And her dad, of course, it's just it's one more lot. piece of evidence in the heaping pile of him just being a douche. Um, yeah, it's all wrapping up. I watched the second to last episode a couple of days ago in my hotel room in LA and I wept just because I was like all this time, all these years with all these people. I haven't brought myself to watch the finale yet. It's in my inbox too. Oh my gosh. Are you going to prepare it? Like, what are you going to do to watch the finale? I don't know. I just need total pristine viewing conditions and also like a box of tissues next to me because even it's not even a spoiler because it's not about the content like for me it's just emotional because it signifies the passage of time like i mean we've known each other since college i feel like we should have led with (laughs) Allison and i went to the same yeah we went to the same college we went to the oxford of the u.s (laughs) um modeled not even loosely on oxford and cambridge it seems like that would be the feeling like college it does a little bit but also from the august or i guess october after i graduated this has been my life so imagine yeah, how many different like, jobs you've had, how many apartments, like yeah. how much t- sort of transition. And that's the normal version of 20s. Mine has been v- the vastly less normal experience. But all of that time, like a time capsule is now in this show, which is really special, but also makes the experience of watching it wind down really emotional because it's just like the reminder that time is a continuum <laughs> and it oh only moves gosh. in one direction. It's wild. <laughs> That's like heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. Are you happy where Marnie ends up? I am. I am because I I feel like Lena and Jenny have always been, I mean, actors at a certain point love to take ownership of our characters, but in a very real way, she belongs to them. And I think that even though I fought some of the things initially, like I, for some reason, was very opposed to her losing her virginity so early, it just felt wrong. But of course, they were right about that. That is so Marnie to want to get it out yeah. of the way and just like <laughs> get, off get, the get it, like, like yes, check it, it off the list. But it took me a second to adjust to it. Like everything they do for our characters. Um, well, the first thing I just didn't want them to end the show, so already I like rejected the premise of how it ended. But I, now I totally understand why they ended it now, and I agree with it. And I also from the beginning was like, however they decide to end it is going to be the right thing. Even if I reject it simply because it's over, not even because of the way they right, do it. So I'm, idea. I'm happy with how she ends up, but it's irrelevant is I guess what my, uh, my response is. What did you guys do after you shot your final scene? Did you have like a goodbye? Oh yeah. I mean like our first AD, T Sean Ferguson, shout out. He's been with us for, from the beginning. Um, gathered us all around the whole casting well it was just lena and then i was i stuck around for an extra day so i was still there too and he was like this is a wrap on and he just like wrapped this series and everyone started weeping and i had already been crying for a full 24 hours because (laughs) i had wrapped the day before and then lena and i recorded an episode of women of the hour on our way to set that final day and i cried in the car and then i cried all night like it was just i don't think my tear ducts have been able to produce tears ever since because they just cried so much so many oh since i i mean i guess the my first time back as a crier was watching the second to last episode and i'm not a crier it just struck me as like this incredibly it was really overwhelming saying goodbye to these people that have just been the daily 
chess pieces of my life. You know what I mean? It's just like, they're just people that I assume I'm going to see all the time and see you next summer is just the way we end our conversations. And it's very strange to know we're not all going to be in the same place ever again as a crew in particular as a cast. I'm sure we'll have reunion-y things, but we're all going to go off in our other directions and become corrupted by the world and then come back together. And it's just going to be a different dynamic. Although the four of us were just together last week doing something that I can't talk about just yet, but um, it was like always, I felt terrible for anyone in charge of the flow of what we were doing because we do not shut up when we're together and we haven't been together every day. There's no getting our attention. It's like herding cats at a photo shoot, at an interview, at anything, whatever it is, is just, it has to be absolutely maddening for anyone involved because we're just like, like we genuinely like each other, which is cannot be said for almost any other cast. And part of it is that none of us fucked each other. Like none of the boys and girls, you know what I mean? I recently watched all of How to Get Away with Murder and my favorite meta thing to think about watching any show is like, who's had relationships, who just broke up, why does everyone cry at the end of every interaction, how are they doing that? I need to learn their ways. Are they just like absorbing Viola's skill set? Did they come into this knowing how to cry? I'm mostly concerned with how much they cry. I'm so impressed. I don't know how they do it. It's so hard. Did they just pick people with like dark things that they can call on? I don't know. It's like on command. like right. It's yeah, really so. on command. Yeah. And it's especially hard when it... I mean, maybe it all just feels really real. Maybe they're just really good actors. <laughs> I just like crying is one of those things that like I just I'm fully aware that my life has I've been so lucky that crying is hard for me. Yeah, it's kind of the way it works. My imagination is running wild with what you guys were doing. Were you did you guys get like a cast tattoo or anything to like signify Come the on. end of you a chapter? You should know. You should know me even though we just met. You already know me. Assume everything you know about me <laughs> is all you need to know kind of to inform your opinion. Um no, I didn't get a tattoo. I still don't have a tattoo. I don't a giant, either. Like Marnie yeah. on her back <laughs> yeah. or something. Like I got Ben Affleck's Phoenix. Okay, just let it go. It's all over my back. Um, I don't have a tattoo. Jemima said I couldn't get one because it wouldn't feel right. I totally agree with her. Um, everyone else just keeps on getting them. Like it's no big deal. Yeah, Lena just got a bit. I just saw. Yeah, her. she has the Odeon on yeah. her butt, and yeah. I saw a new thing under her boobs that she yeah. got that's really beautiful and. Zasha has a new one and Jemima got one after we finished the mystery thing we were doing. You're not going to guess it. And it's also not like some giant exclusive <laughs> secret. Um, okay. It's, it's just, it's just embargoed. So that's why I can't tell you to use industry parlance. I just can't tell you. Do you feel like people's attitudes towards Marnie changed over the series? I think they changed after panic in central park because I think she's a, She's a um, slow burn. Like she's a yeah. she's someone that you really need to spend a significant amount of time with before you can deal with her existence. So I think after seeing her go through that, after seeing that things can get messy and see how she reacts to it, um, I think that made her a little bit more sympathetic because people just understood her better. Yeah, but I think she's still maddening, and and that she wasn't magically going to be more you know tolerable after that episode was over just because like you know they wanted her to be it it reflected realism in that way where she's the same old person it's just you have more information now so it does your ability to see it clearly change i was about to say i feel like it changed the context a little bit that you were viewing her which was nice yeah and i think for someone like marnie self 
change, self-improvement is going to be so much more difficult than listening to Deepak Chopra. It's like for Marnie, it's way deeper and it has to do with her foundation and her parents and the way she grew up. And um, those have always been the biggest points of departure for us because I'm insanely close to my parents who are like the most sane adults that I know. Like, I think it's also, you know, it's interesting when you you're with these characters so long, it starts to feel like you just know them better as time goes on. So I also feel like I've noticed that like as seasons of a show go on, people just can start to feel like they understand the person more. Season one, it's like, oh, wait, like, you know, who is this new person? It was interesting. Last night I actually asked because my parents, uh, my family texted me after. I'm going to family text, obviously, because, you know, we're us. (laughs) And um, they, I got a lot of texts after the episode was over and I was like, are you guys going to miss watching it every, you know, every year? And they were like, genuinely, yes. Even if you weren't in it, it's just people that they like keeping tabs on. And that's how I feel. I know that sounds weird, but when we shoot the show, I often am not around during, you know, Jessa and Shosha's scenes. So I don't see everything or remember everything that's happening with them. So as a fan, I like watching it in this whole other way. And um, I'm definitely going to miss what's going on. It does almost feel like we should take a couple years off and then come back to like rejoin the stream with our 30-something compadres, but I think we need to wait a little bit longer than that and let someone take the baton. I love that your family is on the group, like, like watching each week, and that's exactly how my parents would be, like, texting oh, yeah. me immediately when it's over, like, what they thought yeah. of every single plot point. Is and that what it's like? we all text after the 11th hour, which is, I believe, and I've heard this from enough people that I hope this comes as not totally biased, but I think it's, like, my favorite news show on television, and it happens to be hosted by this incredible journalist my father <laughs> and my brother's a sportscaster so we text after oh like God. all of you the have shows a lot. Yeah, that's like we're just good. like a big media family my mom is always she's just sending us articles throughout the day and things that we need to read and um my husband now works at facebook and so we're just it's a very like high-paced media culture our text yeah you can't i was gonna say i feel like it must just be like links and like, like yeah oh yeah it's links <laughs> and it's photos and you know it's a lot of different things and it's all hours of the day because my dad my brother and i are night owls and my my mom and my husband wake up early and so it's just really like at any time you could be getting like the stream of information 100 100 yeah so it's a busy time in our text chain obviously because our our country is having a busy moment as well so i know you don't want to give anything away from the three episodes coming up but where have you imagined marnie would be when she's like 30 35 do you like have a sense do you try not to envision that i talked about this again this isn't an exclusive, but I I talked about my dream scenario for Marnie, which is that she ends up with Elijah uh, in like uh, a very yeah, modern love situation where it's like the two of them just say like, you know what? We can predict with relative certainty what our children are going to look like. Let's just fill our house with song and snark, I believe is how I put it. And, and just like do this dance together and we can just be, we can hold each other accountable and call each other out on our shit and just go through life with each other by our sides and just look the other way or have, you know, a very yeah. sort of modern, modern view into what this could be like. And I honestly think that might be right because I, I'm not sure either of them is capable of long-term monogamy, happy long-term monogamy. I mean, I could easily see Marnie forcing herself into it, but I I think in general, like, because she's really had an array of dudes, and I don't know that any of them would have been right for her. And that's not to say she's out of options. I just think I can't even, I'm at the point now where I can't even imagine who would be right for her. So then I feel like she and Elijah could be together and then both of them can just go through relationships like usual with the stability that I know Marnie's always wanted of a marriage. Yeah. 
I love that. I mean, it's not going to happen. But I, I, when I said it first for the first time publicly, I texted Lena and I was like, "I hope it's okay with you that I'm just fully publicly <laughs> like imagining what Marnie's Story future is." And Lena was like, "I love it. I think it's perfect and hilarious." Do you have like your favorite Marnie moment scene? Like you're like that, like when you could think back on girls, like that's what comes to mind, or that's the thing. My favorite like. things are always when the four of us are together, which mm. has only happened. Our executive producer Eileen Landris counted how many times the four of us have been together and it's only been like yeah, it's, it's in the low double digits i think it's like 11 times or okay. something like that throughout six wow. years and i think part of that is in a reaction to all the other shows that just serendipitously bring the entire cast together yeah. by you know which a lot of people take comfort in but lena and jenny decided early on is not realistic especially in new york especially in your early 20s like everyone is completely incapable of gathering <laughs> so why would you portray like a, a a gathering if that's just I like see my best friend like every three months exactly like, yeah. exactly my best friend lives in austin texas i never get to see her and so i love that um I kind of liked that aspect of it, but the downside was we never got to hang. And so then when we did, the aforementioned chatter happens and it's just like the least. And then it just reinforces the idea that they shouldn't have us all in one place because it's impossible to get any work done. But so like the North Fork episode, I love. Dancing um, on that the bench at the end. Is yeah, that the, yeah, yeah, with just with really? our hands. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. a really fond moment. And I remember filming that. I was like, this is something I'm going to remember forever because this is real kind of passive aggressive friendship moment that feels very real yeah. um yeah really anything where the the wedding marnie's wedding episode um the entire process of filming marnie and charlie's episode of course is like one of my favorite girls memories f forever because it was just such a privilege and it was so fun and that was really fun with the crew because a lot of it was just me or just me and charlie and um the, we were trying to accomplish a lot of stuff yeah um so really the entire show i mean even if it was a bad memory even if it was like a stressful day or whatever it's still one of my happiest memories because i was doing what i love with the people i love playing a character that i controversially love <laughs> and um having the best time I'm, I'm the luckiest girl in the world truly so what now like are you thinking about what you wanted i i feel like i hate when people ask me this kind of question so i'm like apologize for I'm asking very used it. to it well the nice thing like, about girls has been that my answer's always been well we're either like it's either yeah. like we're gonna go publicize girls or we're going back into pre-production or we're filming right, right now but i'm just like free for the rest of my life basically <laughs> um i have no job i have no employer I will now wait, hopefully not five years, but I'll just wait until either I come up with an idea that feels really good or I see one somewhere else. I mean, basically, my approach is like I have am in the fortunate enough position where I can be picky. And thus, because I get overwhelmed as a consumer by how much content there is, I do not want to ask people to go consume something unless I think it's you important feel super in some strongly, way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I felt that way when girls came out. It felt like a radical commentary on like the new, a new version of a, a girl in this time. And uh, it had a lot to say about seeing women as they are and nothing aspirational about it. And um, that kind of self-absorbed millennial culture, like really taken to task. And, and then with Get Out, I feel the same way. I f it feels like a completely vital thing. And when I tell people to go see it, I'm saying it not even really as someone who's in it as much as someone who just is a fan of it and is yeah. proud to be associated with it and is glad it exists. So I would like to stay true to that sort of like thing, it's a precedent that I've established and kind of wait till something like that comes along. Because again, I get overwhelmed if someone 
if something new comes out that I like have to go see, it's really it's a lot. Plus, people do not like going to movie theaters anymore. And so that's why when people email me things about Get Out, my first thing is always like, thank you for going, because yeah. that in and of itself means a lot to me. I thought it was really cool that it was a movie. I mean, I think you said this actually in your email to me, which I like was so happy you said. You're like, you have to see it in the theater. Yeah, and, like, you really I do. I really do feel that way after seeing it. Like, I can't imagine if you're watching it alone on your laptop, know. Well, like, what it would be like. like I don't, I don't know. know how to say that without sounding like I'm just trying to get ticket sales. But I think if you saw my deal, you'd know that like <laughs> your ticket sales really don't mean that much. She handed us opinion. pamphlets when she walked in. She has us like signed no, up for petitions. No, but there are two yeah. things that I always said before when I was publicizing it. One was that you need to go see it in a theater and go before anyone can spoil it for you so yeah. that's like there's like a two-pronged reason to do that and the second thing is like you're gonna want to see it a second time and almost everyone i know went back to see it a second time because there's just once you know what happens the movie's different the second time around there's new protagonists you're aligned with new people you see everything that's out there and you can just kind of go below the surface so yeah i mean we'll see what's next obviously i'm working i mean you you know me since college i've been like a four hours a night sleeper since like birth so i am <laughs> you're, working, you're working on a lot of things i have the rights to a couple of things. I'm developing something. I am being very vague on purpose, but um, basically just a lot of irons in the fire. And then of course I do a ton of work with Red. Oh, by the way, very exciting. Again, not being paid to say this. Apple and Red just partnered and there's now a Red iPhone. Oh. And they then Apple contributes to Red, which does HIV and AIDS work. So if that iPhone screen's crack is bothering you, it's time. Just so much. It's time to replace it. And it can be the cutest red imaginable. I have one at home and I'm setting up later I have to trade it. Today. I found out this weekend because I can only talk on speakerphone on my phone. So I need a whole new phone. Get a red one. I'm going to do it. Because then you can also buy it knowing that a contribution will be made to this perfect That's cause. Great. So I do a lot of work with Red. I do a lot of work with Horizons, which is a student enrichment program um, that operates during the summer that I've always been super involved with. And so that stuff stays the same. And kind of the nice thing is I get to focus more of my attention in those ways. So yeah, a lot of stuff going on and I hope to make good use of my my free time. This is a very like niche question for like 80 I people listening. I love a niche question. Do you, have you been back to Yale and New Haven? The last time I was back was to record uh, Jake and Amir's podcast. Jake is from New Haven. So that okay. was really fun. And we were at Toad's. <laughs> okay, so Toad's, for those who don't know, is the like one bar in New Haven. <laughs> no, it's, there's so many oh, now, just, but it's still like... There's, it's like, like the place on Saturday night. Saturday like, and Wednesday. Oh, right. The, I was never cool enough to like, I didn't start going to like the end of senior year. Got um, it. I forced my way in um, <laughs> very early on, just wanting to be part of that scene. And I used to go from the library. I'd wear like sweatpants, bring my backpack, wow. sweatpants and Uggs to like a bar just to be like, this is how chill I am. What? In reality, guys were like, and no longer into you. <laughs> cool. Cool move. If you were hoping this would be, you Wait, know. would you go to that? I can't believe I'm about to say that. Like, I don't remember. York side. Uh, the P- would you go to, like, the York? I feel like people of went to Of course I went to York. Yeah. And then you'd end the night at this pizza place. Side. I always went to A1 because I liked the taste of, like, recently frozen pizza better than, like, the kind really, of, like, like, it was, like, greasy. Yeah, it was so, so greasy. greasy. People would do that napkin move yeah. on it. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Which is, like, always a little gross. Were you guys, like, the same major? You were English. English. I was going to be English then I it's like a sore subject. I switched to history because there was like some requirement that you had to do the pre-1800. We're getting like oh, super yes. into the depth of niche now. You didn't but, like, you don't like pre-1800 literature? 
I know. It's like, this is, you sound like exactly like my parents. They were like, excuse me? Like, we don't understand. That's this. like when I was little and I was like, I just don't like black and white movies. Now all my favorite movies you know, are black and white. You know what it is? They, they, you had to do like seven, like not seven, like four. I would have had to do four. Those are classes. all my favorite. It, yeah. So those are the ones you were like so excited to take. Yeah. But I can imagine that would be debilitating because you're like, I don't care. It can be Milton or Chaucer or Shakespeare. I don't, I don't have, have a preference. preference. I hate all of them. But in history, <laughs> they were like, you do whatever you want. Like, you know, come in, come out. So what what did you end up writing your thesis? Uh, basically, about? an English thesis. I wrote. I took letters that a family wrote over the course of a year in the Civil War, and I just like studied their letters and analyzed. Could you them. just hear the Ken Burns soundtrack <laughs> in your head of like a light harmonica? I think basically, where it came from. Me <laughs> trying to like get to like channel the Ken Burns. I always wished I was. My senior yeah, thesis was, was similar. It was kind of like a history English thesis. It was about an annotated version of Uncle Tom's Cabin I found at the Beinecke Rare Book Library oh. that had these beautiful watercolor annotation drawings in the book and that's all that there was no underlining or anything there were just these gorgeous watercolors and they were really effective while you were reading the book and someone just took the time and watercolor like illustrated their own copy of uncle tom's cabin so i was writing this thesis about it kind of analyzing the illustrations against what's actually in the book and then like the day before my thesis was due i remember in like a, a fit, like calling my senior essay advisor and being like, I think I figured out that the illustrator was black based on the kind of editorial tone mm. of the illustrations. Can I have extra time? And he was like, I'll give you like 10 more. None of this matters. You're going to be an actress. <laughs> Just like, you know, whatever. If you're going to be so late, like I hate that you keep doing this. I postponed everything because I was always in plays and I was always just like yeah. too unable to submit things on time. But um, I got really into that, and I loved wearing my little white gloves at the Beinecke Library. The like, Beinecke was like, the, it. The, I always felt, like, that was the most college place to me. Like I was like, Oh, the Yale School Library was the most college uh, place to me. This yeah. is the least relatable <laughs> interview I've ever done. Dude, it's like I asleep. Like, Alana's like on the floor. Like, no one, <laughs> no one's like paying any attention. Well, here's the like, thing. Here's the thing that is also probably, I'm doubling down on the unrelatability, is that I cannot wait until the day I can go back to school. I cannot Wait, I'm going to go back. I've already picked my program. Really? Anthropology at Columbia. I will not get in, but a girl can dream. And I am dying to go back. Just so excited. Oh, so wow. I know. That's great. I feel what, like this what, is the highbrow <laughs> conversation. Alpha's like, not feeling encouraged. Just like, just, like, wow, that's great. Like, what are you tying? That was as out? if she just told us like, what she had for lunch. No, I'm just, no, that is what's holding. When can you, like, when would you do I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it would be silly to do it right now. I was going to go, I was going to take the exams in Alabama and then go this fall. And then a bunch of very smart people were like, um, so you're going to go, you're going to like peace out the first time you're not <laughs> under contract in your entire career and i was like okay i guess that's not really smart how long but, is the program um i think you can do it over you could probably do it over two years but i'd i'd probably need to stretch it out into three or something but yeah. i um i mean the, there's a lot of reasons for wanting to go but one of them is that anthropology and archaeology change so often every time like a new piece of an early hominid is found it all changes, like the entire timeline changes. So all my texts, Ricky's always like, just open your old textbooks. Like, and I'm just like they're all wrong. Like the, the trees be, yeah. are all wrong. Like it's just not right anymore. And they, they, it's just a really fast developing field. And so um, I want to get in there. And also now that everyone's read Sapiens, I feel like I need to make my knowledge special again. Now everyone just knows all the basic anthropological stuff. And I love that it's cool because of that book. Yeah. And I just started reading his second book. That's, that sounds like a good plan. Thank you so yeah. much. I feel your now that tentative I've said it. <laughs> support. It means the world to me, and I'm very grateful. <laughs>
Okay, well, uh, sadly, this went by so fast. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for coming in. Oh my gosh, I in. just noticed now you have like the Vanity Fairs behind you. I was just going to say, I feel like I've been really doing this interview with you and, and Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence. <laughs> I know. It's like, it is very... And Cher. Did just you have, the slightest we, we didn't suggestion bring... of Cher. Actually, we'll end here. How was your Vanity Fair Oscar? That was your first Vanity Fair Oscar? Do you know? Have you been no, to others? No, it wasn't. I've been oh. to others, but it was really fun. This year, my strategy was different, which is that I just found a little area and I sat down. Nice. And that was kind of the best because, first of all, we got access to all the food because we were near the kitchen. You were hanging out right there. Yeah. And second of all, people would come just like sit down and say hi, which meant that I actually got to have like in-depth, satisfying catch-up conversations with people yeah. instead of like having that kind of... Hollywood party conversation where people are always looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At these parties, no one makes eye contact with you because they're just looking over your shoulder because inevitably like the, the most famous person in the world is standing like right over your shoulder and you're just like, Oh great. Sorry. Why don't you just actually (laughs) stop talking to me and go say hi to them since you want to so badly. But it was so nice. People would come over when they need to rest their feet. It was kind of like a home base. And with every year, you know, more people because this is just our work world World as insane as that sounds and running into you is a real pleasure. Sure. Oh, that, that was very nice. And I also, it happened very shortly after I, like, I think I told you this, I like knocked into Barry Jenkins, who was holding an Oscar. And I was like terrified that I had broken his leg or something and was oh, like gosh. so happy to see someone. But of I all the things that had happened to him that night, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's like the least of his concerns. He was like, honestly, now people are just trying to bump this out of my hand. What is happening? Like, you didn't try to take it. I guess I'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Allison, thank you so much. This is like such a treat. We're thrilled. Um, No, I'm so, I love that you guys are doing this show. I love the show. And thank you so much for watching. We'll be letters of recommendations for your anthropology dreams. Thank you you so much. I'm going to shoot us a. I'm going to look to you for that. You have more recent writing experience than most of my friends. So I may ask you for that. That does it for this week in the limelight. Thank you so much for listening. And please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps us find new listeners. Also feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at In the Limelight to further discuss Get Out Girls. Whether you're thinking about getting a degree in anthropology too, you can also follow us individually. I'm at Julie W. Miller. And I'm at Jay Duboff. And we have an Instagram as well, In the Limelight Pod. This episode was edited and produced by Alana Milner. Thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.